Section zero of the murder of Delicia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shelley Turner. The murder of Delicia by Marie Carelli. Introductory note. The following slight and unelaborated sketch of a very commonplace and everyday tragedy will, I'm aware, meet with the unqualified disapproval of the superior sex. They will assert with much indignant emphasis that the character of Lord Carleon is an impossible one, and that such a cad as he is shown to be never existed. Anticipating these remarks, I have to say in reply that the two chief personages in my story, namely Lord Carleon and his wife are drawn strictly from the life, and that though both the originals have some years since departed from the scene of earthly contest and misunderstanding, so that my delineation of the characters can no longer grieve or offend either, the murder of Delicia was consummated at the hands of her husband precisely in the way I have depicted it. There are thousands of such murders daily happening among us, murders which are not considered cruelty in the eyes of the law there are any number of women who work night and day with brain and hand to support the useless and brainless husbands women whose love never falters whose patience never tires and whose tenderness is often rewarded only by the most callous neglect and ingratitude i do not speak of the countless cases among the hard-working billions whom we elect to call the lower classes where the wife, working from six in the morning till ten at night, has to see her hard earnings snatched from her by her better half and spent at the public house in strong drink, despite the fact that there is no food at home and that innocent little children are starving. These instances are so frequent that they have almost ceased to awaken our interest, much less our sympathy. In my story I allude principally to the upper ranks, where the lazy noodle of an aristocrat spends his time first in accumulating debts and then in looking about for a woman with money to pay them a woman upon whose income he can afterwards live comfortably for the rest of his worthless life to put it bluntly and plainly a great majority of the men of the present day want women to keep them it is not a manly or noble desire but as the kind of men i mean have neither the courage nor the intelligence to fight the world for themselves it is i suppose natural to such inefficient weaklings that they should seeing the fierce heat and contest of competition in every branch of modern labour gladly sneak behind a woman's petticoats to escape the general fray but the point to which i particularly wish to call the attention of the more thoughtful of my readers is that these very sort of men when they have secured the ignoble end of their ambition, namely, the rich woman to live upon, under matrimonial sufferance, are the first to run down women's work, women's privileges, women's attainments, women's honour. The man who owes his dinner to his wife's unremitting toil is often to be heard speaking of the uselessness of women, their frivolity and general incapacity and in cases where the woman's intellectual ability is brought into play and where the financial results of her brain work are such that they enable the husband to live as he likes 
surrounded with every ease and comfort than it is that at the clubs or in any other place where he can give himself sublime airs of independence he will frequently express regret in grandly occult terms that there should be any woman who want to be clever they are always unsexed this word unsexed is always cast at brilliant women by every little halfpenny ragamuffin of the press that can get a newspaper corner in which to hide himself for the convenience of throwing stones the woman who paints a great picture is unsexed the woman who writes a great book is unsexed in fact whatever woman does that is higher and more ambitious than the mere act of flinging herself down at the feet of man and allowing him to walk over her makes her in man's opinion unworthy of his consideration as woman and he fits the appellation unsexed to her with an easy callousness which is as unmanly as it is despicable now to turn to the other side of the medal let us see what are the occupations man graciously permits to woman without affronting her by this obricious epithet in the first place he is chiefly willing to see her on the stage and he generally prefers the music-hall stage as the best one fitted to her poor abilities it is no particular fun to him to see her rise to the historic height of a rachel or of sarah bernhardt the sublimity of tragedy in her eyes does not specially move him the simulation of heartbreak in her face may possibly awaken him a curious emotion divided between pity and astonishment but it does not amuse him nor does the exquisite grace of the finnish comedian delight him entirely her pretty airs and graces and her ringing laugh are fascinating in a way but in a huge amount of amour propre which swells the head of the smallest masculine noodle about town he has an uncomfortable lurking suspicion that she may all the while under her charming stage feigning be really laughing at him and the whole of his sex generally no neither the height of tragedy nor comedy in the woman on the stage really satisfies men so much as the happy medium the particular no-man's-land of art when nothing is demanded of her but body and grin a beautiful body trained to walk and look well an affable grin expanding at the sight of champagne and other mundane delicacies these are all that is necessary now if this beautiful body be well nigh stripped to man's gaze night after night on the boards he will never call the woman who so exposes herself unsexed nor will he apply the word to her if she drinks too much wine and brandy but if another woman with quite as beautiful a body instead of exhibiting herself half nude in the music-hall stage prefers to keep her woman's modesty and execute some great work of art which shall be as good and even better than anything man can accomplish she will be dubbed unsexed instantly and i ask why is it that man elects to compass woman's degradation rather than her uplifting and sanctification it is a wrong course to adopt an evil course and one that carries with it a terrible retribution in the lives of the coming generation i think as a right of a certain individual living at the present moment in one of the most fashionable quarters of london a man who is generally looked upon with a considerable amount of respect by the moneyed and titled classes some years ago he married a bright little american woman for her money and since that time he has made her life an hourly misery 
she loved him more the pity and though he does not scruple to insult her before others with an insolent brutality which is as shameful as it is disgusting though he will upbraid her before his servants and his guests at dinner with the harshness one might expect of a slave-driver she endures his cruelty with patience and why for her children's sake her womanly idea is that they should respect their father and to that end she puts her own injuries aside and does her best and bravest to keep the household straight her money it is that pays for all the costly dinners the entertainments which her husband glorifies himself before his acquaintances each london season pushing her into the background at every turn and hanging on to the skirts of the newest fashionable demi-mondaine instead and through her and her constant bounty alone he has attained the social position he holds this is only one instance out of many where men indebted to women for every honour and advancement they possess turn and rend their good angels or torture them by every conceivable means of private malice and wickedness which cannot come under the jurisdiction of the law and love is so much the best part of a good woman's nature that when she once truly gives her whole heart and soul away to a man she finds it difficult nay almost impossible to uproot that deep affection and understand that it has been or is wasted upon him this was the treble and incurable wound of delicia it is the treble and incurable wound of thousands of women to-day it is perhaps scarcely necessary to touch on another grievous and ignoble phase of modern manhood which is constantly exhibited among us at the present time namely the miserable position voluntarily held by certain noblemen who because they have placed themselves in the unnatural and unbecoming condition of owing everything to their wives money permit those wives to play fast and loose with their honour and good name and apparently shut their eyes to the shameless infidelities which make them the byword and contempt of all self-respecting commoners it would be a wholesome and refreshing stimulus to society if such blue-blooded lackeys could awake to the fact that manhood is better than money and would by their own free will and choice go out to hard labour in the gold-fields or elsewhere and earn their own livelihood bravely and independently instead of lounging and frittering their days away the silent and inactive spectators of their wives open and wanton degradation i have purposely selected the case of delicia from several more or less similar ones as a type of the fate frequently meted out by men to the women who have by their own intellectual attainments succeeded in winning fame and fortune there are three radical errors chiefly made by the superior sex in their hasty estimation of what are called clever women the first on the question of heart the second in the matter of permanence and the third on the always momentous consideration of good looks if a woman does anything out of the common in the way of art or literature she is immediately judged by men as being probably without tenderness without permanence in her work and certainly without personal beauty now as far as tenderness goes a woman who thinks who has read much and has studied human life in its various wonderful and often sad aspects is far more able to realize the rareness 
and the worth of true love than the woman who has never thought or studied at all she the woman thinker understands with full pathos the real necessity there is for being kind patient and forbearing one with the other since at any moment death may sever the closest ties and put an end to the happiest dreams and in her love if she does love there must needs be far more force truth and passion than in the light emotion of the woman who lives for society alone and flits from pleasure to pleasure like a kind of moth whose existence and feelings are but for a day of the question of permanence in her work she is the equal of man as permanence in both ambition and attainment depends chiefly on temperament a man's work or fame may be as unstable as that of any weak woman if he himself is unstable in nature but put man and woman together start them both equally with a firm will and a resoluteness of endeavour the woman's intellect will frequently outstrip the man's the reason of this is that she has a quicker instinct and finer impulses and lastly on the subject of good looks it is not a sine qua non that a clever woman must be old and must be ugly it sometimes happens so but it is not always so she may be young and she may be lovely nevertheless men prefer to run after the newest barmaid or musical dancer who is probably painted up to the eyes and whose figure is chiefly the result of the corset maker's art under the impression that in such specimens alone of our sex will they find true beauty were they told that a certain artist who's painted a certain great picture was a young and beautiful woman they would never believe it if someone volunteered the information that the sculptor whose massive marble group of classic figures adorns one of the galleries in rome was a woman whose smile was ravishing and whose figure was a model for psyche they would shrug their shoulders incredulously no no they would say clever women are always unsexed give me the barmaid the shop girl the dancer the living picture the aerial gymnast give me anything rather than a pure finely cultured noble-natured woman to be the mother of my sons thus things drift badly for england if we are to believe all we are told by scientific physiologists and whether these wiseacres and doom prophets are wrong or right in their prognostications it is certain that the true intention of women's destiny has not yet been carried out she is fighting towards it but if i may venture to say so she is using her weapons wildly and in various wrong directions it is not by opposing herself to man that she can be his real helpmeet neither is it by supporting him on her money whether such money be earned or inherited she will never make a true man of him that way and it is not by adopting his pastimes or aping his manners it is by cultivating and cherishing to the utmost every sweet and sacred sentiment of womanhood every grace every refinement every beauty by taking her share in the world's intellectual work with force as well as with modesty and by showing a faultless example of gentle reserve and delicate chastity when she is like this it is of course highly probable that she will be murdered often as delicia was but the death of many martyrs is necessary to the establishment of a new creed when man begins to understand that woman is not meant to be a toy or a drudge but a comrade the closest best and truest that god has given him 
then the clouds would clear and marriage would be a blessing instead of as it too often proves a curse and there will be few if any delicias to be slain inasmuch as there will be few if any men left so unworthy of the manhood as to play coward and traitor to the women who trust them marie corelli july sixth eighteen ninety six end of introductory note